Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to ALR PRA's Law Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Augustine. This show is produced by ALR PRA Incorporated, a global law practice management agency headquartered downtown Chicago, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. We also connect domestic and international law firms for international legal issues. Here at ALR PRA, we help manage our clients' business so they can spend more time practicing law. Our primary activities are law firm public relations, marketing, and credentialing. We also offer a wide variety of practice management services to help you with all the back-end business of managing a law firm. Now, today's guest, and we'll get to him in a moment after we read some initial instructions and disclaimer, our guest is Peter Lamont. He is a business and commercial litigation attorney whose practice is focused around the representation of small to large-sized companies and businesses within the kitchen, bath, design, and construction industries. Mr. Lamont's services range from providing general counseling on personal and business matters to highly specialized services. Mr. Lamont is a writer for the Kitchen and Bath Business Magazine and authors a monthly column addressing legal issues impacting the kitchen and bath industry. Now, we do have a great show for you this afternoon, and we welcome our callers with questions and counterpoint, either by email directly at Nick. N-I-C-K at A-L-R-P-R-A dot com. Please put Law Talk Radio in the subject line, or you can call in by dialing area code 917-889-9732 and pressing option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. That telephone number again is 917-889-9732, option 1. Now, by way of quick general disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice, and results may vary based on your facts and location. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship, and this programming is politically neutral, and objective counterpoints to views expressed are always welcomed. ALRPRA Incorporated does not necessarily endorse the opinion expressed by all guests on this show. And finally, all callers do remain confidential, and all rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA. So, by way of subject matter today, if you are an attorney in transition and have considered launching your own law practice, you may not know where to start. Peter J. Lamont has been in your shoes, and he offers some valuable time today to share his experience, advice, and an outline of objectives for consideration for those attorneys who want to hang their own shingle. Some of the topics we're going to discuss today, I'll just read you a list. Number one, the decision to leave a law firm and start your own, preparation for doing so, problems you might encounter at the firm you're leaving, dreaming big on a budget, then getting organized, becoming a boss versus a co-owner, some time management tips, and finally balancing cases and administrative with your marketing duties, and of course, finding the right people to hire. So, without further ado, let's say hello to Peter. Peter, how are you doing today? 
Good, Nick. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, and I'm looking forward to hearing more uh, perspectives on the decision to launch your own shingle. And uh, you know, some of the people on the show have heard me before talk about the attorneys in transition process, and that is something that our agency does work with. But I'm always interested to hear perspective of those who have done it, done it well, and some good tips. So why don't we just dive right into your own experience? Uh, at what point did you decide you wanted to make this transition? And uh, what was some of the background? You know, I think generally uh, when I went to law school, I always had that that hankering and and that desire to really go out on my own. It, it always seemed to be the thing that I wanted. I wanted to make my own hours, make my own clients, make my own you know living. And uh, unfortunately, it's not that easy at the beginning. So you get involved with firms, and a lot of times you get really pigeonholed in a firm, and you know that becomes uh, you're the rest of your life. I had moved through various firms throughout New York and New Jersey and eventually settled on a firm where I had become a partner, and I really thought that that was going to be uh, it for me because partnership seems to be the big goal for, for most attorneys if you're not out on your own. But, you know, things happen. Uh, client issues, client problems, problems with partners, problems with uh, revenue being generated, and, you know, you can put that dream of being out on your own aside for only so long, and then when, when certain problems occur uh, with a partnership or with, with a firm, I think that they really resurface and they come back stronger, and you think to yourself, this isn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be supporting, you know, other people who aren't working. I didn't want to be supporting uh, a, a firm and, and not making any money myself. So I think that that, for me, was the ultimate uh, decision-making, getting to the point in my career where I thought I'd made it, only to realize that it's not what I thought it was, and then realizing that all along I wanted to make my own decisions and, and really be the boss um, you know, and run my practice. Right. And... I, it's very true that while we can start with a plan and partner up and, and launch a good firm, you know, you never know what it's going to look like several years out. So when you decided to part ways, how did you approach it? And what were some of the things that you maybe thought might be problematic? And what were some of the responses? Well, I had given it some thought over time as as our relationship was deteriorating at my old firm. And, um, you know, really came to the conclusion that this was it. It was either going to work or it wasn't. And so I really just took all of my, my private time at home to put together a marketing, advertising, business plan and just lay it all out on paper, just kind of brainstorm and say, here's what I want to do. Here's what I think I'm going to need, even though I have no clue what I really need. And here are the risks. Here are the the you know, potential benefits. And starting out, you know, first of all, one of the major risks are, you know, if you have clients, are they coming with you, number one? How do you approach those clients? How do you tell your partners or your boss or, or coworkers? And how do you manage to leave your current firm on relatively good terms since all of your relationships in, in the field of law are very important. You might need somebody down the line, either as local counsel or to give you a good reference or referral, whatever it might be. And so early on, those were the, the big problems that I was trying to solve. How do I tell the people that I'm working with that I'm leaving? Um, how do I tell my clients? When do I tell my clients? What, what do I do? 
You know, I, I obviously need to get everything in place before I go out on my own, so I need to register a business. What are the ethical repercussions? You know, that was some of the things that were going through my mind. When can I go out and register my own business? Because certainly I think for the most part, a lot of people that uh, you work with or work for, the minute you tell them that you're thinking of going out on your own, they start figuring out how they can fire you. And so it becomes a very delicate balance between getting things in place before you make that, that transition and continuing to work on um, you know, your work wherever you are working, trying to maintain those relationships. And that, that it proves to be very, very difficult. Um, in my experience and others that I've spoken to, regardless of how nice your relationship is with those people that you're working for or with, the minute that you are no longer um, a producer for them, things become very adversarial. And so you might want to leave on good terms, but my experience and others, it just doesn't seem to happen that way. So you really need to have as much lined up in the way of, of planning your business, your business name, making sure that your you know, licensing is, is all in place with respect to registrations within the state, speaking to an accountant, getting your taxes set up, the tax ID, and really figure out what you're going to do. Where are you going to practice? You're going to practice out of your home versus an office. And, and all those decisions are the decisions that you're faced with at a very early stage. The, the most important and the most troubling and stressful for me was really telling the people that I was working with that this isn't working anymore and then telling my clients and seeing that they're going to come with me. It was uh, That was hard. Um, I'll, I'll ask you quick what your reaction is, and I'm going to interject and tell you a quick story about a law firm here in Chicago where uh, several of the younger members of the firm were thinking of spreading a, a parting off to carve out their own uh, practice areas and, and change the sort of the landscape of the firm. And that would be in direct contravention of one of the senior partners who's very well known. And that senior partner ended up transferring and going in as a partner as a lateral to another firm. And I had talked to both parties individually because I was writing a story on it. And uh, everyone was very, was very amicable, but the word on the street, the people were asking about it and there was a buzz about it. So it seems like no matter what you do um, in your firm, you have a PR opportunity to communicate a message and share with with people, um, something to think about. But um, you do, were, was there any talk like that at your place, and what was the reaction when you told the partners you were leaving? Well, they were very, very upset because um, I had my own clients, which was beneficial to them. It generated revenue for them. And when I told them that, that I just couldn't do it, it wasn't working, and I, I really needed to fulfill this desire to, to take the show on the road, essentially, Everyone who had been so close with me, we had been through a lot, you know, personally, business, it was completely changed. People became very angry with me. Um, you know, right off the bat, people accuse you of trying to take clients, and, and a lot of infighting uh, started to occur. And then there was a buzz around the office with secretaries and staff thinking, uh, what's going to happen to us now? And it became very, very difficult and uncomfortable. And the relationship was really never able to be uh, mended uh, because, you know, when you're dealing with multiple personalities, uh, different people, especially um, 
you know, a lot of, of, of the hardcore litigation crew, when you tell somebody that you're leaving, they take it personally, and they see that hit, you know, in their wallet, and right away they, they get very angry, and they look to blame you for lots of things that, you know, you never did. And it, it becomes very, very hostile. And um, this isn't the first firm that I've left. Obviously, I didn't leave to go on my own for these, these prior firms, but it was the same thing. You know, you tell somebody that you're leaving, and you know, they give you the song and dance about how much time that they've put into you as you were developing as an attorney. And um, quite honestly, every firm that I've left, with the exception of one, we're not on speaking terms anymore. Jeff, what advice or pointers would you give to someone who is ready to make that communication and take that step? Well, I think, number one, you really have to make sure that your family, whether it's uh, your, your spouse, significant other, you know, mother, father, whoever it might be, that they're behind you because you're going to need that, that emotional support. Um, and then once your plan is in place, it does not pay off to delay. You know, it, it, it's not going to get any better. You might as well go in and get it over with and approach it as professionally as you can, explain the reasons why you are leaving, what your decision to leave was based upon. Obviously, you know, you should not criticize the firm, or the people that you were working with, but more or less just, you know, make it a, a very friendly breakup on, on your part um, without criticizing anybody and just saying, this is what's best for me, but you have to fully expect that the people that you're telling this to are going to be angry, frustrated. Make sure that you have all of your, um, you know, your your T's crossed and your I's dotted because people might come back and say to you, you know, you contacted this client. That was our client. And you need to make sure that you've got all that stuff lined up, emails, communications that you may have made to clients during your um, you know, your transition. But the the best advice I guess I could give is really you need to have thick skin and it will pass. It will be something you're going to get over. But if you have that strong support system at home, at least you can go home at the end of the day and say, can you believe what these guys are doing? You know? Right, right. Um, my last question about the decision to leave and the communication to leave, um, I'm thinking back to the, all, all, all this stuff was on the bar, the dissolution of a partnership, wind-up period, repartnership. Likely when a partner leaves, uh, that's going to uh, kick up a lot of dust in some other areas. What are your thoughts on putting together succession plans at a firm or a partnership dissolution agreement where you set on the table whose clients are whose? And maybe it's a time where you bring in a mediator or something. Did you do anything like that, or do you have thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the way to do it. In my situation, there was no written partnership agreement, which, you know, it might sound odd, but for a lot of mid-sized, small to mid-sized partnerships, that's just the way they do it. It still operates on a handshake, and that's not really good for people that are leaving because, you know, it, it's your word against their word, and it just becomes contentious. I would suggest that if you are accepting a partnership at a firm, um, that you really insist that something be written down, that your clients be tracked and known as your clients, and that there is some sort of provision in there for dissolution. I think it's extremely important. In hindsight, I wish that I had had something like that. It would have made the transition more um, you know, business-like, because really all it is is a business agreement, and you, know, you have a right to leave. But making sure that you've got those, uh, those documents in place when you accept a partnership or, or employment, I think are very important. 
And it's not really just with a partnership either. It could be if you have your own clients and you are just working for for a boss, for another attorney. You need to make sure that somewhere your clients are known as your clients so that when you do leave, there's no issue. Very good advice. We're going to pause for our first commercial break, and we had a question come in by email during our first segment. And after we get back with Peter Lamont, I'm going to ask him uh, to first answer this client's or this individual's question. The question is, um, I'm thinking of starting a law firm, but I'm right out of law school. How do I get those first couple of clients? So how do I get those first couple of clients is the question we'll ask Peter J. Lamont after we return from our first commercial break. Again, in our first segment, we talked about the decision to leave a firm and getting getting going, telling the partners um, options with agreements and, and different advice. So wonderful first segment. We're going to talk a little bit in our next second segment about getting to your new uh, shop and organize, organizing things, setting it up. Uh, third segment, we'll talk a little bit about time management and how to be the boss and still uh, be in control of the billing. And then in our fourth segment, we'll talk a little bit about helping uh, an employ- employees, um, transitioning from a boss uh, to a co-worker relationships, all sorts of staffing uh, issues. So we'll be back. So our first commercial sponsor comes from the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Your business may be exposed to liability if your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property. Now, when you need the right legal services to advance your creativity but guard against trademark infringement, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. You can find the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme by visiting nkdlaw.com and also by searching for the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme on Facebook. The law office of Nancy K. Ducharme is there to help you with your advertising copy review. You can get in touch with Nancy today by visiting nkdlaw.com. Now, our second commercial sponsor is the Sales Results Incorporated Network and Steve Fretzen. Now, if you're an attorney who's struggling with developing your book of business, try calling Sales Results. For over six years, Sales Results has been helping attorneys to double or even triple their books of business through business development coaching programs. You can call Sales Results by dialing area code 847-317-1575. That's 847-317-1575 or simply visit them online at www.salesresults.com. Inc.com. So that's S A L E S Sales Results Inc.com. By the way, I also want to let you know that they are also the owners of a great site that I like called Networking Monkey. And Networking Monkey is an event and networking site. So if you are uh, an attorney in transition and are looking for networking events, you can go to networkingmonkey.com and find all sorts of great information there. Again, they are primarily a Chicago-based company, so for those of our listeners on the West and the East Coasts, maybe you should also look for something in your area for networking websites. I think that it's something that people are doing a lot these days, so do try to take advantage. So we are now going to go back to our discussion with Peter J. Lamont. Again, the call-in number is 917-889-9732. 
option one for the caller queue. Okay, Peter, let's talk a little bit about first answering our question of uh, our caller who wanted to know, or email rather, wanted to know how do they get those first couple clients, and then that, I suppose, transitions well into what do you do when you get those clients? You need a you need a shop, you need to organize. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, that's the million-dollar question, and I think that every attorney to the day that you stop practicing is asking that same question, how do I get you know, clients, and then as you progress in your career, it's how do I get better clients? Um, and, you know, there's really no one answer, but I think that some of the key points are, you know, referrals. It, it's just that's the way this business works, and, and you get referrals by being, um, you know, known in your community. You, know, you never you never turn anyone away. I mean, I think that everybody out there in your community and beyond is a potential client, and you have to look at them that way. So when you're out in public, you've got to look the part. You know, you have to come across as somebody who is a sophisticated, intelligent attorney, but yet still down to earth because when you're dealing with a lot of, of local people in a local town, they're not looking for that pretentious white shoe attitude. You know, they're looking for somebody that they can come and talk to. So for me, uh, one of the, the key factors was being myself but going out and, and being friendly with people and then from there, you know, you can ask people to refer you. Hey, listen, you know, I know that you have this situation. I know that I can't really help you, um, but if you need something in the future. And, and there's all different ways of doing it. Um, I, I think that it's very important, number one, to be friendly. And then number two, you know, you've got to use technology to your benefit. You've got to use social media, Facebook, websites, and none of these things are very complicated to use, even for people who are not computer savvy. Um, setting up a website on your own has become increasingly easy. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, and then you know, really just getting out there and and offering to do things for free. Um, I I came from an insurance background where our, my clients were originally insurance companies, and breaking into that field is very 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 difficult. You've got to know people in the industry. And when those people eventually leave that insurance company, you know, you're left out in the cold because the, the replacement has their own favorite lawyers. So, you know, I have struggled with that myself. And the way that I've gone out and gotten some initial clients is, number one, to kind of create a, a niche market for yourself. Mine happens to be kitchen, bath, construction, and design. But in doing that, I approached some kitchen and bath companies, having had a background in that, and, and I said to them, listen, let me handle your collections for free. Give me one case. Let me do it for free. And if I do a good job, we'll talk about me doing more for you. And so you lose a little time, and you know, you've know you got to put some work in. But then I think if you can produce a good product, you go back to them and you say, listen, I've recovered X amount for you. And then that relationship blossoms. And then you use that success to to build on it and to start aiming higher. And ultimately, I had had gotten um, I gotten a client that's uh, an international cabinet company through through doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it, in my opinion, you you can't be afraid to beg in a sense. You know, you've got to come up with an idea, come up with a target market, those kind of cases that you want to take, whether it's business or whether it's you know personal injury. And put yourself out in the community. Sponsoring seminars is an excellent way of of getting yourself known in the community. 
Uh, I recently did a, a bullying seminar in a, in a local town, and you know, all of a sudden, people are calling you about little Johnny getting hurt on the playground. But then it blossoms into, well, you know, and and Tilly was in a car accident, and before you know it, you know, your your name is being passed around. The other thing that I, I think has worked well for me is um, is magazine article writing, uh, newspaper writing. Um, I had identified the kitchen and bath industry as a market that I was interested in pursuing legal work uh, for, and I contacted, just cold called, just contacted some of these publications within the industry, and I said to them, listen, I'm a kitchen and bath attorney. Here is the kind of work that I do. Here's a little, a little bit about me. Here are some of the clients that, that I've represented, and I'd like to write for you. And here are the ideas that I think um, could work. And I must have submitted it to maybe 20 publications, and you know, one of them wrote me back, but it happened to be the biggest one in the industry. And I've been writing for almost four years now uh, for them, a monthly column. And you don't get paid for it. You, know, you put your time in, you do an article. But what I've found is that I've been getting calls from all over the country from people that are reading this national publication and saying, hey, I read this article, and it's really, really interesting. What can you do for me? So, I mean, I think those are, are real good uh, ways to, to get out there and, and to draw some attention to yourself. Very good tips, and I will second every single last one of those. And I always tell people, if you don't have time to do some of these things yourself, I mean, when you're first, it's, I think about when you're looking for a job. If you are uh, a person who is just a, a looking for a regular job, you spend your nine to five job hunting. Um, and but when you're a lawyer and trying to get clients, you really, it's much more than a nine to five. It's, <laughs> it's uh, as much time as possible. And sometimes, you know, when you're first getting started, you do need to work uh, into the evenings and writing articles and, and volunteering and getting out in the community, but um, they're just they're things that you just have to take the plunge and start to do them, and if you're a friendly person, I mean, if people know you, like you, and trust you, they're going to refer clients, they're going to be clients, but it's that no like, and trust factor. Those things are so important, um, and so really, you just have to get out there and do them. So my next question then, uh, Peter, is office space and getting set up somewhere and organizing. Uh, what was your experience and what are suggestions that you have, not only for young attorneys but seasoned uh, folks as well? Well, you know, one of the, the first things that I knew I needed was an office. Um, I have had plenty of people tell me, work out of your home uh, until you get set up. And I've had other people tell me, get a big office. But, you know, I said to myself, there's no way I'm going to go out there and throw everything into a big office. I took some time. It took me a month or so, and uh, I would go after work, and I'd look at, at you know, locations. And I was looking for something that was going to be you know, well below $1,000 a month because you don't know. It's a, it's a risk, and you, know, you need to reduce your overhead as much as you can so that those first initial months and even really the first year, you're able to put some money away. Um, I don't believe that it's all that much money out of your pocket to set up a farm. It really did not cost me much. You know, you need to be a good attorney, obviously. But beyond that, you can create any image that you need for your farm. I ended up getting a relatively small office. It's a, it's a one-room one office with a file uh, hallway where I've got my files, and obviously there's a bathroom, and there's a little area for clients to come in. 
Um, it's it's not something that is ultra fabulous, but I've made it work. I've decorated it nicely. I've been able to put uh, you know another desk in here, and it works. And it works because it's affordable, and I've never had to struggle with making the, the payment uh, on a monthly basis. And and really, unless you are um, thinking of having a lot of people into your office and hosting depositions and that sort of thing, you don't need to blow your your money you know, right out of the gate on a large office. That can come in time. I think that that's the number one mistake that I find a lot of people uh, doing. They go out and they get an office and they get brand new furniture and they hire people right off the bat, and the next thing they know, you know, they're out of business in six months. So for me, the approach was just keep everything uh, very low overhead. And technology has really helped me um, keep this ultra-affordable. I have um, a network that I set up myself, which was very, very simple. Uh, you don't need a big server. Everything is backed up. You know, I have. Um, you know, I spent a little bit of money on a, a multifunction printer that really acts as a copier and, and a, a scanner. And you know, if you spend a little money on that, that's going to last you a long time. And you don't need to lease a giant copy machine. If I have a case that involves you know, thousands of copies, I'll take it down to a FedEx or a Kinko's and uh, and have them do it there. You know, there's no need to go out and, and go crazy because, remember, I mean, you're not a big firm. You're a small firm, and you're trying to grow. And in order to do that, you've got to just keep your overhead low. Um, I utilize Stamps.com and some of those type programs for my mailing needs. I have an online fax program, you know, I make sure that when I have to file a pleading or file a motion that I do it in ample time, that I don't have to pay for a courier service or some same-day messenger. You know, sometimes when it's not your money, sure, you know, you'll, you'll do it the day that it's due and you'll get a courier and you, know, you pay them 50 bucks to take it down to the courthouse. So it's, it's really just thinking about what you absolutely need and keeping the cost down. And with that, that doesn't mean that you have to kind of dumb down your image. I mean, I have been able to establish my office in uh, in Hawthorne, New Jersey, but I've expanded on my letterhead to have an office in Massapequa, an office in San Juan, Puerto Rico, through relationships that I have with other attorneys who have agreed to of counsel arrangements. So on my letterhead, it looks like I have a much larger office area. Um, in addition, you know, when you are trusted by your clients, which, which, you know, that's so important, like you said, when you're trusted by your clients, especially commercial clients, they're willing to pay you to handle cases outside of, of your jurisdiction. Um, and you do that through the use of local counsel. And if you can develop that close relationship with your clients, now you can reach out to people in other states and, and say, listen, I need to act as, as general counsel here for this assignment. You could be my local counsel. The client has agreed to pay you X amount. Um, and you develop a relationship with these people throughout the country. So you really don't need all that much to get started. In this day and age, you need a telephone, computer, printer. You know, All of your marketing materials, you can print yourself. I have, you know, memories of being in very large firms where you'd get the letterhead 
pre-printed, and then you'd have to put it into the printer. Print your own. I set up my own letterhead. I print my own letterhead. The only thing that I've gone outside to get are business cards. I print my own brochures and flyers. I've done my own online advertising and that sort of thing. So it's time-consuming. It doesn't have to be expensive. It's very true. Uh, Where the cost, the cost is really your time. And I suppose as you grow your practice and things get going, your opportunity cost is your billable hour rate um, or, you know, valuable time spent on other things. At that point, it's always good to outsource these functions. But Peter is very correct, and there are so many different office-based setups. I think now is better time than any to go out on your own uh, following the recession because so many real estate, commercial real estate um, buildings are empty. I know that right now I saw something that the Sears Tower had 30% uh, of space available. People are moving all around, and the price per square foot of office space is surprisingly low. Um, There are many, many, many places also that have set up uh, arrangements where you can have your uh, an, uh, someone answer the phones and um, a, a situation like uh, where I'm at over at Chambers Business Suites here in Chicago, we have it set up where we have you know several different conference rooms. There are you know a sea of offices, and you know some of the law firms have uh, you know they rent offices like next door to each other or back to back, or the ha- the walls are, are carved out, and there are just an, a, tremendously affordable options if you just get out there and look. And I know that many of us who were uh, finding office space and thinking about buying buildings back in the uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, things have really changed. And uh, it's, much, it's very friendly to the consumer now. So again, uh, you don't need that much. It's just a lot of time and effort. And I very much, so many other people have told me the same thing. Um, and what we've told people is you don't need to go over your head to start with. There's so many, you can, if you, let's say you need a wonderful conference table and you know another lawyer in town who's got a wonderful room, just pay them for use of the conference table. You know, why pay for your own real estate to have that? So at any rate, we're going to stop here for another commercial break. And this is the part of our show halfway through where we bring you the daily legal news. And today's daily legal news came actually from last night. We found this uh, from coming out of Madison, Wisconsin, a local ABC affiliate uh, printed a story here we thought was interesting called The Future of Collective Bargaining Law Being Up in the Air Again, and Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin is confident that this measure will become law. Um, The text reads that, quote, there were several developments in Wisconsin's budget battle on Monday. Wisconsin's attorney general appealed last week's ruling temporarily blocking the collective bargaining bill from being published into law. Then, late Monday afternoon, an appeals court judge gave the Dane County District Attorney less than 24 hours to respond to that appeal. The future of the collective bargaining law is back up in the air. Wisconsin's Governor Scott Walker said he's confident the measure will become law no matter how long it takes. Democrats there said that it wasn't enough notice for a committee vote nearly two weeks ago to pass the collective bargaining bill. Last week, Dane County Judge Marianne Sumi agreed a temporary restraining order blocking the Secretary of State from publishing the bill so it could become law. 
Attorney General J.B. Van Hollen appealed the decision Monday, saying that the court doesn't need to determine whether the open meetings law was violated. Instead, it must only assess, among things, whether a court can issue an injunction to interfere with the constitutional power of the legislature to declare what shall become law. There's more on this uh, from this local ABC affiliate in Madison, uh, Wisconsin. It's very interesting. Uh, here in Chicago, we uh, put up uh, many of these senators, and it was all over the news that the Wisconsin senators actually uh, ran to, uh, uh, I think it was a Best Western in Rockford, Illinois, and then stayed here in Chicago for some time. Uh, very interesting. It's I've seen things on social media where people in Egypt were holding up signs talking about uh, collective bargaining rights in the state of Wisconsin. So something certainly that's been on the map. Uh, now, moving forward, our, our next commercial sponsor is Jim Thompson and his Get Clients Now network. If you're a solo practitioner or work in a small law firm and want to get more clients now, there's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you should talk to. His name is Jim Thompson, and his program is called Get Clients Now. They'll help you take the crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenue through their program that employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage those referrals. Jim is a monthly guest on our Law Talk radio programs every first Thursday of the month, and he has a website, Lawyers Marketing Resource, tremendous website, um, all sorts of good stuff there. Uh, by, by way of background, Jim was a lifelong trial lawyer from Atlanta, Georgia, who then retired. He is now back here in Chicago, and he has put his time into helping young and seasoned attorneys get more clients now. Again, to learn more about Jim Thompson in the Midwest Consulting Group, you can visit the Lawyers Marketing Resource. You can just search in Google for that Lawyers Marketing Resource for James Edward Thompson. You can get in touch with Tim today by, again, looking for the Lawyers Marketing Resource online. Now we get back to our show with Peter Lamont talking about starting a law firm. We talked a little bit in our first segment about preparing to leave and communicating that. Then we talked a little bit about getting those first clients and office set up. Now for our third segment, we'll chat a little bit about time management. And we also want to re uh, remind our listeners out there that many of our friends uh, find our Law Talk radio shows through noticing them on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So if you see a show you think someone else would like, let them know and share it. So now we are going to get back to Peter Lamont. All right, Peter, let's talk about time management. Well, you know, you had said earlier, um, as far as how much time you've got to commit, that, you know, it, it's an investment of time, and it's really true. I have found myself working far longer hours on my own than I ever worked at a firm, but I wouldn't change the way that that is because, you know, when you're with a firm, whether you're a partner or just an employee, um, you get your paycheck, you go home, and to a certain extent, there's always that comfort level in your mind that somebody else will take care of it. But when you're on your own, you know, there is nobody else. And you have to really be willing to commit that time, and your family has to be willing to allow you to do that. But if you are able to put that effort in, at least in the early stages, to the point where your firm can grow and then you can have people working for you, and then the firm works without you there, um, the, the rewards are tremendous. And so for myself, I've struggled with um, 15, 16-hour days and dealing with billing my clients and then the administrative work and then the marketing. And it does at, at times become overwhelming. But 
um, the key to it is really setting a structure of your day. And I know that you know most attorneys laugh at the word structure when it comes to dealing with your day because clients call, emergencies come up, and you know that's true. But I would always, and what I've been doing is I've been getting in very early, seven o'clock in the morning, and setting aside a few hours to do. Um, obviously, the initial check of your email and um, all the, the fires that you might need to put out, getting them in order. But then I sit down and I do marketing. And I, I write um, you know, blogs. I, I maintain a number of different blogs, both for the kitchen and bath industry and some of the under, other industries that, that I seek clients from. Um, I publish monthly newsletters. And I have, you know, a website that's updated and recent developments and news and things like that are always added to it. And so I spend that time in the morning getting that sort of thing together, developing a marketing plan, writing it down on paper. And then before I end to get to the work, I always do something. You know, if I've written down something, an idea, I always act on it just to get the ball rolling, whether it's making a phone call or starting a brochure or putting one entry on a blog. Uh, that way it, it gives you less of an excuse to say, oh, I'll just wait till later. You know, now you've already started it. That ball is rolling. And then, you know, you get into your day and you deal with your clients and the calls and the work. And then, you know, the day is over. It's 6, 7 o'clock at night and you're ready to go home, but you still have to put that time in for the administrative. You still have to look at your finances. You have to look at the bills that you have to pay. You have to look at you know, all those things. And it is a lot of work. But as you do it, you start to develop systems that work for you. And what you'll find is that your day is more organized. You're better able to deal with your clients and the problems that come up. Because as you'll, you'll see, once you start a practice, the law is no longer the hard part. The law is the easy part. You know, it's the administrative work that is so time-consuming. And depending upon your setup, you know, what do you do with your timesheets? Who enters them? How, how does it work? What if you don't have a secretary right off the bat? And you have to work into time-saving solutions, such as uh, dictation software. And that saves me a tremendous amount of time. You know, there's very good dictation software out there that lets you dictate your timesheets. That, that lets you dictate letters and things like that. I use that all the time, and I find that that saves me a tremendous amount of time. And just really having a, a system, I know a lot of people that are in firms where you do the hourly billing, you know, the old school way is you write it down on a piece of paper, you give it to the, the pool of typists, and they enter your time. But you've got to adapt. So, you know, now you don't write it down on paper anymore. You enter it directly into your billing program. So there are ways to be efficient. Um, there is no way of getting around the hours that you have to put in, but once you establish that setup, I think it's far easier and it, it allows you really to start becoming more efficient and then you don't have to work as long, but you have to be willing to put that amount of time in up front. I agree, and one of the things that I keyed in on that I'm very glad you said was the concept of systems. And again, systems are something that aren't you know we don't necessarily think of um, in law unless we have been in the role of administrator wearing that hat and rainmaker and um, you know court you know going to court and everything else. 
um, systems, you know, with time tracking, so important. Here, you know, one thing that I learned from, you know, back in way back in law school, I remember uh, what we did was we had these timesheets on Microsoft Word, and we'd make these tables. And I still to this day do that. And what I and I track everything in fifteen minute hour. Um, 15 minute hour or 15 minute uh, chunks. And so if I spend time talking to a potential client or I spend time writing an article on something, uh, I track it down and I see how many things, how many blocks of time it's filling up. And then I look at how much billables I did during the day. And, and one thing I always think about is what's the value of some of the marketing or other uh, things. And I say, is that something that I could have done in the evening or is doing that in the morning of better time and better value because I'm less distracted? So these are good things things to think about. And again, with systems and the dictation software, I really like that. And those things have come a long way. Um, my friend Ed Pohl uh, is writer for the practice management uh, section in the ABA, and he and I had an interesting conversation a couple of years ago about bringing back dictation. And so I would like to, I was curious, uh, what your thoughts were, Peter, on different software? What do you use? Is it glitchy? Do you have to go back and make a lot of corrections? Um, I, I've never used dictation software, but I'm really thinking about it. Well, I use uh, Dragon, naturally speaking, and I've, I've often fooled around with it years and years ago. And it was very, very bad. You know, it was at least 45 minutes to train the software, and then you were continuously making revisions. Not so with the new software. You know, you can train the software to your voice within five to ten minutes, and you know, it really seems to be 95 to 99 percent accurate. Um, you know, the way it's set up now, it's so easy. Once you install it, you can actually have it scan your documents that you've typed, your emails, and it highlights names that might be difficult to uh, for, for software to understand when you pronounce them. But it, it, it works. It really does. And, and I find that it's great for emails. You know, you can just sit there and you can just really just blaze through email responses. It's very good for dictating into a, a time management program or the, the billing programs. And then I often use it for uh, for letters. I'm still old school. I like to type my own motions and, and briefs and that sort of thing. But for everything else, you really, in this day and age, don't need a secretary. I mean, that sounds like blasphemy, but you really don't. Um, I, I love the software. I think it's great. Except for someone answering the phone always helps. Sometimes I think clients like to have um, another voice answering your calls. But for uh, other than that, I'll agree with you that the dictation is a way to get it done. Yeah, and you know what? And you touched on it earlier. There are so many ways around um, the phones and having people answer and how you can work that out. Um, from, from my office, um, I and I guess we'll talk about this later with staffing, but I offer internships. And so... I'll have an intern come in, and the intern will answer the phone. And in exchange for that, you know, it's it's somebody who's either a paralegal or wants to go to law school, and I'll teach them a little bit about the law. So that works for me, um, and, and there's no money being exchanged. Yeah, you really – it's thinking outside the box. And, you know, I, I just know um, – again, I'm not intending to overly plug my place, but it's I like that if I get an email or a client calls, I get an email on my BlackBerry. I've got a Microsoft Exchange server. So sh whether I'm, you know, down the hallway with my door shut in the office or I'm out in the suburbs or I'm in L.A. or New York, 
or she never knows where I am half the time, but I'll get I'll get the phone call right away. So, um, you know, again, there are so many. I know people who have just answering services and systems where there's just a call center somewhere and they're taking your calls. And I mean, most people know that it may be an answering system, but it's just nice to at least have uh, someone there to field the calls because, uh, you know, the one biggest complaint against attorneys is uh, from clients is not having phone calls returned on time. So again, that's why the dictation software I was asking about. It's so nice because you can quickly respond. If you get phone calls during the day, think about just dictating an email to the client. I know that you called. Um, you know, we're still waiting from the opposing counsel on a settlement agreement, uh, et cetera. You're getting back to them, so it's making them happy. So we're going to pause now for our final break, and we're going to bring you a law practice management resources, followed by our fourth and final commercial sponsor break. Now, for practice management resources, we give you these from three areas. First, the ABA Web Store and ABA Publishing. Second, Law Bulletin Publishing Company here in Chicago. And finally, ALR PRA, very own, our very own practice management services. So first, from the ABA uh, Publishing, the 2010 Annual Review of Antitrust Law Developments. That's our title for today. And for 37 years, antitrust law developments and its annual supplements have been recognized as the single most authoritative and comprehensive set of research tools for antitrust practitioners. The 2010 Annual Review of Antitrust Law Developments sum, this, it sums up and summarizes developments during the 2010 and in the courts, agencies, as well as in Congress. So again, that title is 2010 Annual Review of Antitrust Law Developments. Now, secondly, from Law Bulletin Publishing Company, when you subscribe to the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, you will receive up-to-date legal news from Chicago and around Illinois. Also, check out the Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for those lawyers going through a career transition. It also hosts a monthly career seminar for lawyers in flux in their careers. I am one of the weekly advice columnists published on the Attorneys in Transition site, and I do hope that you visit and leave your comments at attorneysintransition.com. Finally, your very own ALR PRA, Practice Management Services, offers you the ability to manage and moderate your webinars, social media, marketing campaigns, and other public relations activities in substantive law, and we also feature expert management people who... Uh, uh, come in to help with webinars and give seminars on marketing, technology, finance, and other uh, consulting and practice management services. We also do a lot of work with systems consulting for development of your office management, again, as well as our core activities of PR, marketing, technology, management, and finance. So if you have a question, just reach out to us. We're a pretty uh, broad uh, scope of an agency, and if it is law practice management, we do it or have someone who we can put you in contact with. ALRPRA.com is our website for more information. Again, www. A-L-R-P-R-A.com for more information. And for our final commercial break uh, sponsor, we give you credit damage expert George Finder. If your credit, your credit score and reputation are certainly valuable assets, and if you suffer damage to your credit score, you should consider your damages. A credit damage expert, George Finder, is in California. However, he can work with clients all over the country. He's one of the only credit damage experts out there, and attorneys and plaintiffs who've retained his services, they've earned huge damage awards in various practice areas, such as personal injury, employment law, family law, and general civil litigation. Now, by learning to incorporate these credit damage questions into your intake process, you and your staff will learn 
how to spot credit damage events, and when to call and retain George Finder's Credit Damage Analysis Services. George has a website that you can look at that has a video and all sorts of resources and information, and the website is creditdamageexpert.com. So again, creditdamageexpert.com to learn more about George Finder and his expert services. Now again, we're going to jump back into our show. We want to remind people if you have a question, you can always reach us at 917-889-9732, option 1. Also, if many of you find our shows afterwards, um, and find archive links either on our website or on a social media page, and it's shared with you. Again, please share this information with others. Uh, we really do care about a grassroots effort of spreading all the good uh, advice from so many of our guests who give us their valuable time to come on our show and talk about their experiences and practice management tips etc etc so we're going to jump back in now with peter j lamont peter we talked so much about getting ready to leave the firm setting the firm up how to manage time and now when it is if you've done all these things and taken all this great advice we're going to hope that you're going to be in the situation where you need to uh, leverage the work of some employees so let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on staffing yeah you know i would say that uh, i had envisioned always a year in before I needed to hire somebody, and uh, that just happened so much sooner than I expected. I really, within within four months of setting up my own practice, I realized that through my marketing efforts and through um, my excitement with my firm and going out there and, and really sharing that excitement, I ended up getting a lot more work. And so I'm struggling with that time management element, and I think it got to the point where no matter how early I came in or how late I stayed, I still couldn't get the work done. And so it really comes down to saying to yourself, "All right, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take some money out of what I'm earning and invest that into a good worker." And the problem that I've always had when, when hiring associates or paralegals, you know, you really have to figure out if the person that you're interviewing with is the same person that's going to show up and work for you. A lot of times people have excellent interviewing skills and they really come across as aggressive and, and knowledgeable and then you get them in place and, and you spend time uh, in, invested in them and the next thing you know that, you know, what happened to that person? You're not the same person. You said you could do these things and you can't. And so that was a very, very um, important um, situation for me to avoid and I was very fearful with going out and hiring somebody. So what I did... Um, which is a little unorthodox, I posted an ad on Craigslist. And what I was really looking for uh, was a few things. I needed to figure out if I needed a paralegal. So I put an internship ad out for a paralegal. And it was a four-week unpaid internship that could turn into something more, but no promises. Um, I had a paralegal come in. I interviewed them. I figured out which one I was going to choose. And um, and then I realized that I don't really need a paralegal. What I really needed was an attorney. And so I did the same thing. I put an ad out on Craigslist, and I was looking for someone specifically that might be uh, a stay-at-home mom who's looking to get back into the business or somebody that um, you know has been admitted and has practiced for a while but doesn't want that pressure and stress of being involved in a in a farm where you're there every day and there's a lot of pressure. So I was looking for somebody who might want to come into the office a few days a week, work from home, and I had a tremendous uh, amount of, of resumes come in. And I think that's 
most likely due to the fact that the attorney job market in the country, I mean, there's just so many attorneys and so few jobs that you really, same way as you mentioned with the, with the real estate, you know, you have your pick of real estate now because of the, of, of the crash and the recession. It's the same with, um, with attorneys. You know, you really can get some excellent attorneys, excellent quality attorneys, and I didn't have to put out a dime to put an ad on Monster. Um, I, I find that very few people read the newspaper, so I wasn't going to put an ad there. So I used Craigslist, which is free, and I uh, brought people in. I interviewed them, and I'm happy to say that I found two people who fit exactly what I needed. And the the nice thing about it is that you know you get to work with them uh, before you you even start your arrangement. The the one uh, associate that I hired, I said, listen, I don't know if you're going to fit in here. I don't know if I'm going to fit with you. You're going to like me. This might not work for us. So why don't we do this? You know, why don't we work on a uh, an hourly rate? You know, you bill an hour, and I'll pay you X amount of, of money, and we'll see how that goes. And if that works and things start happening for us, then maybe there's part-time, permanent part-time employment, where now I'm actually set up with payroll and paying her that way as opposed to a per diem thing. But it gives you the opportunity without getting locked into an agreement without spending a lot of money to see if this person is right for you. Um, because like I said, you know, the interview is one thing, but, but in the fields, doing the work is another. And this has worked very, very well for me, and I've found the right people. And um, you know, ultimately, these people will stay with me, and um, I think it will work well. And, and you know, the key for me is sitting down at the end of the day and saying, how much did you bill per month? how much did the associate bill per month, and could you have done that work that the associate did? If not, then that's profitable because now you're billing more than you could have done yourself. And, um, you know, after months of doing this, when you look at the bottom line and you realize that, yes, for what you pay out to an associate, you're you're actually bringing more money into the firm um, and you're saving yourself a little bit of uh, of sanity. I mean, you've got some time for your family. So I think it works great, and, and I'm really a big fan of, of Craigslist. I've done it for years with paralegals and, um, you know, summer associates. I really think it's a it's a great a great tool. It really is. And I, I will also, again, second everything you're saying about internships and the turning them, converting them into employees. Um, you know, one of the things that I first did, I, at first I used interns, and um you know didn't conceptualize keeping them on afterwards just wanted to use interns but i realized that if they can bring money in and you know and i'm finding the right people um i have sort of found that if i just put it out there uh, they have come to me so really I, I it's been interesting i didn't use craigslist um but i just through referrals and networks people said oh i know someone who's looking to uh, get some experience and most of them uh will come in and say well i'll work for experience and i'll put them on a project um, you know, something with a good company name or title that other people will see that on the resume and they'll like that. So that's real enticing. And then I offer a profit motive and, um, you know, you can see who's good and who's not. And you can also sort of reallocate. Uh, I have one person, one associate right now who I thought was, um, well, I think is going to be a very good in sales. However, um, in a, that type of capacity, however, I'm starting to think that maybe this individual might be really good um, on the production side of things, too. So, it, you know, having the opportunity to not lock into something up front and get to know each other um, is certainly in this day and age, 
Um, you know, even kids, people coming out of college and out of law school, no one is expecting uh, work right away. Um, so I talk to so many people who are just thrilled to be telling someone they're going uh, to work at a law firm um, or, you know, similar. And because the people who are already there, you get empl- you're so much more employable if they want to go somewhere else. Um, you know, so these are really good things. Um, any, now, one last question I'll ask you before we do have to wrap it up is this um, experience of being the boss as opposed to uh, being at a firm where you're a worker bee. Now you have to be nice with other people working for you, but you also have to um, be the boss and not get taken advantage of. Um, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's very hard for me because well, as a co-worker, you know, you always want to really have people like you because – you want the secretaries to like you so they'll do things for you. And, you know, you, you ultimately develop relationships. And sometimes, you know, you let things go that, that you shouldn't because you're friendly. When you are your own boss and you're now having people work for you, you want them to like you, but the most important thing is that they respect you. And I would much rather have somebody respect me than like me, and it's taken me a while to really get into that mode. You need somebody that will understand how hard you're working that this is an investment of your time your money your family's time and that you know they need to respect you and give you a hundred percent effort you know they're not here for free the money or insurance and the things that you're doing for them um, that comes out of your labor and you really need them to step up and contribute and um, you can still be a, a nice person, a fair person, and an honest person, but you need to set the tone right off the bat um, that this is not a social club and we're not going to hang around the water cooler. This is work. And if you want to stay here, you have to make this firm profitable, and therefore you have to work. And that's, that's been something that I've struggled with, but you, know, you, you grow into it. You know, I'm not used to being the boss, but you do grow into it, and it becomes much easier. And then you'll find that when people respect you and you're fair to them, they really want to give back to you because there are so many employers out there that do mistreat their employees. So that's that's what's worked for me. Very true, very true. I want to thank you, Peter, for your valuable time today, and I'd like to ask you to give the folks listening uh, some contact information if they want to follow up with you offline and, and have a chat. How do they get a hold of you? Yep, my, my telephone number is uh, 973-949-3770, and I can re- be reached by uh, email, which is plamont, L-A-M-O-N-T, at peterlamontesq.com. I also have a toll-free number, which is 855-655-2901, and a fax number, 866-603-0471. All right. Peter, thank you again so much for your time. Um, We do so many things in common. I look forward to uh, keeping up with you um, offline and being in touch. And I thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you, Nick. All right. Thank you also to our listeners out there and people who tune in and share our shows with other people in their networks and who are supportive of our efforts. We also want to thank our generous sponsors. We had, number one, the Nancy K. Ducharme Law Office and Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Two, Steve Fretzen and the Sales Results Incorporated Group. Four, Jim Thompson of the Midwest Consulting Group and Get Clients Now program. And five, credit damage expert George Finder. We also want to let you know that we recently published our Friends of 
of ALRPRA. If you go to ALRPRA.com, at the top of the site on the front of the page, there is a little blue link where we have uh, given credit to so many people who have assisted and helped us out with their time, talent, and treasure to help us really build the best law practice management agency out there. So we are very humble in thanking so many people. It's taken a village to get us here. Um, and one of the people I'd also like to thank is our uh, Law Talk Radio Programming Associate, Mr. David Smith. You can always get in touch with David Smith at David, D-A-V-I-D, uh, Smith at com Again, david.smith at com Our telephone number is area code 312-854-7149. Again, by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and comments and advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may always vary based on your facts and location. Communication with attorneys on the show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship, and our programming is politically neutral and objective and contribute counterpoint are always expressed uh, are always welcomed uh, sorry uh, also ALRPRA does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests callers remain confidential and rights to the broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA again these law talk radio broadcasts are programmed to bring our attorney and non-attorney audiences the tips tools and practice area information they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services with our guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine for ALRPRA Incorporated, and we thank you for your time. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 